Prior to the 1929 stock market crash, a race was on to build the tallest building in the world in New York City. Of all the proposed buildings, one pushed through the Depression and took the title of the tallest building in the world and held on to it for 40 years. Even though it's since been surpassed in height, it still remains the most iconic building in the skyline of New York. Learn more about the Empire State Building on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue, ButcherBox can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, ButcherBox has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, ButcherBox has that too, with some of the best cuts of steaks such as New York Strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, ButcherBox has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. Sign up at ButcherBox.com daily and get a special deal. ButcherBox is offering my listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. By the 1920s, the United States was the world's largest economy and New York was the largest city on earth. New York was the financial center of the country, and people and money were both flowing into the city. Given the limited amount of land on the island of Manhattan and the growing demand for real estate, the solution to the problem was to start building up. New steel construction techniques and the development of the elevator allowed for buildings to be constructed taller and taller. These buildings became known as skyscrapers. Starting in 1908, the world's tallest skyscrapers were all located in New York City. This started with the Singer Building, which reached 192 meters or 630 feet. A year later, in 1909, the Metropolitan Life Tower reached 213 meters or 699 feet. And in 1913, the Woolworth Building hit 241 meters or 791 feet. The Woolworth Building was the tallest building in the world throughout the Roaring Twenties, but there were many plans to build something taller, something taller than even the Eiffel Tower in Paris, which was the tallest structure in the world. The corner of 5th Avenue and West 34th Street was land owned for over 100 years by one of New York's first tycoons, John Jacob Astor. 
1893, his grandson opened the Waldorf Hotel, which was joined in 1897 by the Astoria Hotel, and together they formed the Waldorf Astoria Hotel, probably the poshest hotel in all of New York. By the 1920s, New York's elite had migrated further uptown, and a new Waldorf Astoria Hotel was built. The old hotel property was sold to the Bethlehem Engineering Corporation in 1928, and the hotel was demolished in 1929. The original plan for the property was to build a 25-story office building on the site, but financing fell through for the project. So, the land was sold again to a consortium of wealthy investors who called themselves Empire State Incorporated. The name came from the nickname for the state of New York, which is known as the Empire State. The company was fronted by Al Smith, who was the Democratic Party nominee for president in 1928, but the real power behind the scenes was John J. Raskob, who was an executive at DuPont Chemical and General Motors, and he was also the campaign manager for Al Smith. They hired the architectural firm of Shreve, Lamb, and Harmon to design the building. According to legend, Raskob went to a meeting with William Lamb, pulled out a pencil, held it up, and said, quote, Bill, how high can you make it so that it won't fall down? They purchased some more land nearby, and in August of 1929, they announced that they were going to construct an 80-story building that would be the tallest in the world. Before the public announcement, they had originally planned a 50-story building, then a 60-story building, and then finally an 80-story building. The reason for continually increasing the height was because there was a competition going on for the title of tallest building in the world. In 1929, there were two buildings under construction that were vying for the title, the Bank of Manhattan Trust Building and the Chrysler Building. There were five other proposed buildings announced around this time as well. And if you know your history, you probably realize that August of 1929 was a horrible time to announce a brand new construction project. Because on October 29, 1929, the stock market crashed and it ushered in the Great Depression. All of the other announced buildings that hadn't started construction were canceled. There was a lot of gamesmanship going on with these buildings because everyone wanted to have the tallest building but nobody knew what the final height of the Bank of Manhattan Trust Building or the Chrysler Building would be. Walter Chrysler actually changed the design of the Chrysler Building. He changed the top from a rounded one to one with a metallic spire just to make it taller. The initial plan for the Empire State Building would only have made it 1.2 meters or 4 feet taller than the Chrysler Building. Raskob was worried that Walter Chrysler would put some metal spike at the top just to claim the record, so they changed the design once more in December of 1929. The final design was for a 102-story building with a metallic spire at the top. The idea for the spire actually came from Raskum himself when he realized that the building needed a hat. So, they added a 200-foot or 61-meter metal tower at the top, which was designed to be a mooring post for airships and dirigibles. And in 1929, everybody knew that the future was dirigibles. The construction firm of Starrett Brothers and Ecken were given the job of building the skyscraper. When Raskob was interviewing construction companies, one of the questions he asked everyone was if they had enough equipment on hand to actually complete the project. All of them said yes, except for Paul Starrett, the owner of Starrett Brothers. He said they owned, quote, not a blankety thing, not even a pick or a shovel. He further elaborated and said, quote, gentlemen, this building of yours is going to represent unusual problems. Ordinary building equipment won't be worth a damn on it. We'll buy new stuff fitted for the job and at the end, sell it and credit you the difference. That's what we do on every big project. It costs less than renting secondhand stuff, and it's more efficient. End quote. Because he was honest and transparent, they got the job. He also said that they could do the job in just 18 months. By January of 1930, the Waldorf Astoria was gone, and the process of purchasing all the steel began. 
Constructing a building of this size is a massive project. Starrett Brothers and Ekin had to hire workers from 60 different trades. Steel and other materials had to arrive at the site on the day it was needed, not before or after. Moreover, as the building rose, different projects would be overlapping on different floors. The erection of the steel skeleton began on March 17th. Just a few weeks later, the Bank of Manhattan Trust Building was completed, making it the tallest building of the world at 283 meters, or 928 feet. It held the record for only one month, when in May, the Chrysler Building was completed, topping out at 318.9 meters and 1,046 feet. Construction on the Empire State Building was incredibly efficient. They developed unique techniques to get materials to the site and to get them up to the right height. Workers were working 24 hours a day, which was necessary to make the ambitious schedule. And also, because of the Great Depression, it was easy to find people to work, so labor wasn't a problem. There were 3,500 workers on site at its peak, with many Irish and Italian immigrants. Of special note were the construction workers from the Mohawk tribe. The Mohawk iron workers are known as skywalkers, and they have been working on skyscrapers for over four generations. The Empire State Building opened its door for occupancy on May 1, 1931. It was completed 45 days ahead of schedule and $9 million below the $50 million budget, something completely unheard of today. The lights were turned on in a special ceremony by President Herbert Hoover, who did it by remote control from Washington. The final height of the building was 381 meters, or 1,250 feet, and it had 102 floors. It was the tallest building in the world and significantly taller than its competitor, the Chrysler Building. When it opened, it was initially a financial flop. It had nothing to do with the building and everything to do with the economy that it opened in. Only 25% of the building was occupied when it was open. However, it was a huge hit with the public. For 10 cents, you could go up to the observation deck and look out at the city. The building made $3,000 in just six months from the observation deck, which was not bad for the Great Depression. The legendary status of the building was cemented in 1933 when it became the central location for the finale of the movie King Kong. The mooring mast for dirigibles was never used as the winds at that elevation were simply too high. There was a single case of a blimp that tethered itself in September of 1931 for a few minutes. The Hindenburg disaster in 1937 forever ended all plans for using it as it was originally intended. The building eventually reached 98% occupancy by World War II, and it made its initial investment back by the early 1950s. One of the most significant moments in the history of the Empire State Building occurred on July 28, 1945, when a B-25 bomber crashed into the north side of the building between the 79th and 80th floors. Thankfully, it happened on a Saturday morning, so the building was mostly empty. Nonetheless, 14 people were killed. A fire broke out, and there was an 18-by-20-foot hole in the side of the building. Of special note was elevator operator Betty Lou Oliver. She was thrown from her elevator on the 80th floor. When rescue workers found her, they put her in another elevator to go down to the ground floor. That elevator was damaged in the accident and ended up falling 75 stories. Believe it or not, she survived with a broken pelvis and a fractured vertebrae, and she holds a record for the longest survived elevator fall. In 1950, a 220-foot or 68-meter radio antenna was added to the top of the building, which was used by several local radio stations in the city. In 1966, it lost its title as the tallest freestanding structure to the Austin Kino Tower in Moscow, and then it lost its title as the world's tallest building to the World Trade Center in 1970. As of the time I am recording this, it is currently the 50th tallest building in the world. 
Every year since 1978, there has been a race held inside the building called the Empire State Building Run-Up. Contestants have to run up the 1,576 steps to the top. The record is 9 minutes and 33 seconds, set in 2003. Even though it has long lost its claim to being the world's tallest building, it is still probably the most iconic skyscraper in the world. More than 4 million people a year visit the Empire State Building. It's been dubbed America's favorite building in a poll conducted by the American Institute of Architects, and it has been listed by many sources as one of the seven wonders of engineering and one of the seven wonders of the modern world. It has been heralded as an icon of American design, and it's considered perhaps the most iconic building in New York City. The Empire State Building has appeared as a location in literally hundreds of movies, television shows, books, and video games. While there are now 59 buildings taller than the Empire State Building, most people would be hard-pressed to name more than a few of them. When it was built, how it was built, and where it was built have, over the course of 90 years, made the Empire State Building the world's most iconic skyscraper. Everything Everywhere Daily is an airwave media podcast. The executive producer is Darcy Adams. The associate producers are Thor Thompson and Peter Bennett. Today's review comes from listener F.C. Nova over at Apple Podcasts in the United States. They write, GOAT. I sincerely believe this is the greatest podcast I've ever listened to, and Gary might very well go down as the greatest podcaster of all time. Perhaps this calls for an episode on GOATs. I suggest a movement to get Gary and his podcast trending online. Maybe he'll be alongside the latest Kanye or Elon Musk tweets. Wow, thanks, F.C. Nova. I have to admit that this is such a gushing review, I'm almost embarrassed to read it. Almost. Marketing comes before modesty. This podcast has a very particular audience of curious and intellectual people, so I don't think it's ever going to get the sort of public attention that celebrity gossip gets. That being said, FC Nova, I am proud to say that with a review of this caliber, it has received entrance into the Review Hall of Fame. Remember, if you leave a review or send me a boostogram, you too can have it read on the show.